Blog Talk Radio.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Huh? Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog stool bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, save me. Saul Marquist, a.k.a. El Presidente, and welcome, my minions, to another week of uh, me guiding you through this crazy world of sports as uh, only I can do. That's why you call me El Presidente, because I do know it all. Actually, if only that were true, right? If only that were true. 917-889-8516 is our digits for standing by for Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. <clears throat> And burnoutsports.com. Going to help us break down what's going on in Cali, uh, down in Southern California in Long Beach. Beautiful weather. It's always great to watch IndyCar roll out to uh, uh, Cali. Of course, Pottawa Row Ro had some of the fastest speeds on the track yesterday. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out for him. Uh, obviously, continues to blitz the IndyCar field in, in Long Beach practice. So we'll, we'll get into that. Waiting on uh, Tony Donahue. Here from uh, to, to join us, so we don't want to we don't want to rain on his thunder too much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean it's been a great week. It's been a kind of crazy busy week. Last week we were all about the Masters. What a great win that was for John Rahm, right? I mean, first win. I mean, and, and really battled. I think he. You know, there was just a lot of factors that went into the win this year with the Masters that we haven't had to deal with in the past. And obviously a big part of that uh, was the weather issues. And, of course, the biggest news, and we could we could chat about this if you want, but let's, let's be real. I mean, Tiger Woods took himself out of contention at the Masters uh, due to a, a leg entry. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit, actually. And, you know, I heard he's having some complications in his knees where he's got some uh, Frankenstein screws going on there. I shouldn't make jokes. But I do, right? That's what I do. I make jokes. But are, are we looking at the end of Tiger Woods' career? Is it time for him to hang up the red shirt and green jacket? It might be. You know, we, we, we like to think about Tiger Woods as he was and this young, uh, up-and-coming guy who is winning every tournament possible, we like to think of him and look at him still in in that role that 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 he was. But he's not in that role anymore. Clearly, uh, you know, Father Time catches up to all of us. And believe me, I know that better than anybody. So yeah, I mean, you know, he's easy. Who else can we say really retired at the top of the game? Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, but he didn't actually retire, but then he did retire. But was he, was he really at the top of his game when he finally hung it up? Uh, so, you know, Brett Favre, no. You know, Michael Jordan, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make the argument for Michael Jordan to say that he was at the top of his game when he, when he retired. And honestly, we could even say if, if – Tiger Woods is going to, again, no official statements. This is just rumor mills, talking heads, and, and that sort of stuff. But, uh, I mean, he could be he could be on his, his way out of 
way out of retirement, way into retirement. But he'll still be golfing every day, right? And is he gonna is he gonna retire broke? No. So let's not feel too awfully sorry for him. Uh, and uh, hopefully we get Tony Donahue on here in just a second, because I got a lot to talk about today with uh, with the uh, IndyCar and the NASCAR and the NFL draft uh, and uh, the NBA uh, playoffs. So we we got to get to it. Let's roll on. Give me just a minute here. Give me a time to do some selfless promotion. All right. He saved me from that. Saved you from that. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Good morning. How are you? Good. Hellway and BurnoutSports.com. So sorry about that. Forgot to forgot to throw that in. Did you get your Did you get the tire fixed? Uh, we're gonna save that to Monday. We're gonna We're gonna save those stresses until Monday. Oh man. Hey, I I, I mean. I don't really want to spread your business too much, but did you have a flat and change it yourself? Is that what happened? No, I think the uh, the lug nuts somehow got loose along the way. Um, I, I, I won't say I did some off-roading because I didn't, but on Tuesday and Wednesday I was out helping a test at Lucas Oil Raceway, and there was a lot of travel and a lot of, you know, these these city roads here in Indianapolis, uh, as anybody knows, you're never going to hit, so. Don't I know it? Don't I know it? So no, no signs for the tire changer or anything like that. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad everybody's safe and you're getting it worked out. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with IndyCar. Obviously, they roll back into Southern California. Uh, a lot of times named the second biggest race in IndyCar because of all the fandoms and the stars that come out uh, to in the Indianapolis 500. It's the West Coast Indy 500. I don't subscribe to that personally because. We all know how big the Indy 500 is, but it's a great race. It's a great fun race. Uh, it's a great uh, through the streets of, of Long Beach. Talk with us a little bit. Of course, Pat Pato Award was fast in practice yesterday. We'll get into the drivers and some of the stables here in a minute. But talk with us a little bit about the history of Long Beach, what makes it such a great track, and, uh, you know, why uh, why Long Beach? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right on with the, uh, the Southern California. You know, you're, you're close to Hollywood. They used to do – the Toyota celebrity races out there that really brought in a lot of crowds and a lot of, a lot of big time names. Um, it's a fun track street course. You know, you're right there in downtown long beach. Uh, you're really running around many businesses. I mean, I think there's a Hooters right next door. So that'd be right up your alley. Um, but yeah, yesterday practice, great <laughs> Pato award, super fast. Here's the thing. They, they've resurfaced a few of a, a few parts of the racetrack. So it's, it's new, it's new asphalt. And when you drop down, we saw yesterday there were some guys that, that would spin out. There were some guys that, when they would get on the power, the back end would step out. There was a lot of over-missed corners, you know, going into a breaking zone. So um, it's going to be tricky. There's another practice here coming up around noon Eastern time. And, um, you know, it was just kind of – I don't want to say chaos because that's not the right word. But there were just a lot of mistakes being made yesterday and a lot of learning. So we'll see if that gets cleaned up. Um, here in this next practice session at noon Eastern, because uh, you know, if the, as, as you know, if that stuff goes down in the in the in the race on a street course, there's nowhere to hide. You know, there's walls surrounding you. It's difficult to get to different places and to get around um, some of those crashes. Obviously, we saw it in St. Pete, especially in the crash on lap one, where um, that happened. But you know, just 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 crazy to think that we're three races into it. Although 
you know, there was a huge gap between St. Pete and Texas. And, yeah, Pato Award fastest yesterday. Alex Pillow looked good. Marcus Erickson always good on the road and street courses. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a wide-open field. There's probably eight to ten drivers that realistically have a shot to win. But as we talk about almost every week when they're on a street, a street course or a road course, you've got to qualify well, and we'll see qualifying coming up later on this evening. Yeah, looking forward to qualifying. It's, it's, it's certainly going to be a, twi- a tight qualifying race. Uh, let, let's just kind of go through some of these uh, teams and, and drivers. We'll start with Pato Awards since he was the fastest. It's Long Beach. It's a street course. Um, the odds are pretty high that he's going to sit on the pole. Uh, so, you know, a lot of races, like the road courses and the street courses especially, uh, you, you can uh, uh, look at the, the pole winner to be in the winner. Not always, but it certainly is more common than not than in, than in the Oval, obviously. So when we look at Pablo Award, let's start with him as he qualifies uh, tonight uh, for the uh, beach, the Long Beach Acura race. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we'll start with Pablo Award. This is the guy who should have won down in St. Pete. Yeah, there was chaos and some of the leaders, you know, remember Grosjean and Scott McLaughlin got knocked out. But he was leading. You know, he was leading coming around to the white flag and had a little malfunction in the Chevy engine, cost him the lead. Marcus Erickson goes by, takes the win. Um, he's leading the points. We know he's going to be there. He's a, he's going to win a race. He's, he, he's too good not to. We'll see if it's this weekend. Maybe it's in a couple of weeks at Barber Motorsports Park or at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. We know he's going to be a threat at the Indianapolis 500. He's been there. He was third two years ago. He was second last year. Uh, so if he's going to keep climbing that ladder, that would obviously predict a win coming up next month. I think he'll probably be one of the guys that 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 is on that radar to win the Indianapolis 500. So yeah, like you mentioned, the pole winner doesn't always necessarily end up winning the race, but you know, top four qualifying is really going to put you up in a good position at a at a street course where at times you know the passing zones are are few and far between. So qualifying will be of utmost importance. Um, although we did see two years ago Colton Herta win this race from the 14th starting position after a mistake in qualifying. So, you know, it really just depends. But, yeah, I, I think Pato Award is going to be right there. Um, Alex Pillow, he's super fast. Marcus Erickson, as mentioned, always good on street courses. There's been a lot of changes going on at Andretti Autosport, um, which, you know, Grosjean had a really good St. Pete before the crash, had a really good Texas on the oval was, was, was running really well and then crashes, um, you know, and then Colton Hurd, obviously third fastest. Scott Dixon's going to be right there as well. Alexander Rossi, it's a home track for him. So those are the, those are the drivers that I think in that, that, that area right there are going to end up uh, battling it out for the win, which, you know, if you mention, if you notice, I didn't mention team Penske, you know, McLaughlin 13th, mm-hmm. New Garden 14th and Will Power 15th. We knew going into the weekend that, they struggle. They've just struggled for speed on the road and street courses for whatever reason. Team Penske just hasn't had it. They talked on the broadcast. Joseph Newgarden said, you know, we just don't don't know what it is about Long Beach. We just can't get it settled in. Although Joseph ended up winning this race last year. Seems like Joseph is able to figure it out. Um, we'll see if McLaughlin and Power can follow him up the leaderboards. Well, Joseph Gordon did uh, uh, win the pitch, uh, pit uh, stop count contest there this weekend out here. So, you know, maybe there's that. <laughs> but Joseph Newgarden, let's do talk about him in all seriousness. You know, you are right. Penske isn't showing up there right now. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything. We, we never roll out team, team Penske. But let's talk a little bit about Joseph Newgarden as he goes into Long Beach. 
Yeah, I mean, look, didn't have the best St. Petersburg qualified middle of the pack. Um, didn't have the best results. Comes back in Texas, and and for about ninety percent of that race, you thought, okay, Joseph's gonna, you know, he'll be right there. He'll probably end up finishing second. Then obviously all the yellows that came out and kind of messed a lot of things up, especially for Pato Award. You know, Award had the field a lap down. Besides second place, Joseph Newgarden, and then all the yellows started coming out. Drivers take the wave around, get their get their laps back. So um, Joseph will be there. He's got to find some speed overnight. You know, you don't want to be qualifying tenth on back. So we'll see if he can get that Atachi Chevrolet up towards the front. I think he will. Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Andretti's uh, uh, protege, if you will, Colton Herta. He did well last year, won the race, I believe, last year. But Colton Herta uh, certainly does well on the street courses as well. Yeah, I mean this is a this is a home track for Colton Herta. Obviously, grew up in Southern California, where he's from. He's won at Long Beach before. Um, you know, him and a lot of drivers, but certainly him. You know, say that this is their favorite race of the year outside of anything that goes on inside of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, Colton needs a good result, right? Like it's not been the greatest of of season starts for anybody really at Andretti Autosport. Um, you know, if you look at the standings and you look at Colton Herta. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, he's 11th in points. He had a decent run at, this wasn't the best run, but, you know, he did not get off to a good start this year um, at Tech, or excuse me, at St. Pete. So Colton's going to be right there. He says he loves his racetrack. He loves his race car. Uh, they talked to him in practice yesterday. He said he was super fast. He can't wait to see what he can do. And same with his teammate, Roman Grosjean. Grosjean's made some great strides lately. Um, Grosjean is, um, moving in the right direction. He was obviously in contention to win at St. Pete. He was obviously in contention to score a top five at Texas. He just has to keep it all together and keep it off the wall. You know, we always talk about Scott Dixon, especially when it comes to the road courses and street courses, but just overall, Scott Dixon isn't called the Iceman for nothing. Scott Dixon uh, going into Long Beach in, in third place at the moment, but what, what are your thoughts about Scott Dixon and Chip Canassi racing? Yeah, I mean, it's Scott Dixon being Scott Dixon, right? In Texas, you know, qualified eight, ends up running third. It's third in the points, um, only 15 back. It's just the Iceman doing Iceman things. It's, um, you know, two two straight top fives to start the season. That's what Scott Dixon does. If, if he doesn't have a car capable of winning the race, he has no problem bringing that thing home inside of the top five. Obviously, he has his podium to start the season at St. Pete. Finishes top five at Texas. Uh, Scott Dixon's going to be there. Now, he hasn't had the greatest of records as of late when it comes to the Long Beach Grand Prix uh, for whatever reason. I mean, look, he's won this race before. We know that. We know he's a great driver, a great competitor. He's going to be there. But, you know, if you go and you look at the results that Scott Dixon has had at Long Beach lately, um, hasn't really been – I mean, sixth place last year, okay, decent. Uh, remember, in, remember in 2021, they moved it to the end of the year. I don't really count that race. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, he hasn't contended for the win. He finished top five, top six. So can he make that next step forward and, and, and pick up a victory at Long Beach this weekend? It's still yet to be seen. But I certainly think if you're betting top five drivers, he'll be one of those drivers that finishes out of the top five. Well, let's talk about his uh, teammate, uh, Marcus Erickson. Obviously, he's ranked second right now. 75 points, uh, certainly he's just 
had an amazing story since he joined Chip Ganassi Racing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been a resurgence to his career. You come over after Formula One didn't work out. You run for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. Didn't really have the greatest of runs. Didn't really contend for any kind of race wins. Goes to Ganassi, and it's just, it was kind of what he needed. It was the car underneath him that he needed to really show his true talents. Obviously, people are going to talk about the Indianapolis 500 win, uh, but you look at his other, other race wins, Nashville, Detroit, you know, these street courses, St. Petersburg, Florida, the start of the year. Um, you know, Marcus, who's in a contract year, by the way, hasn't re-signed for next year. I mean, I'm sure that he will. I don't know what they're waiting on. What else does the guy have to do besides, you know, go out and win another Indy 500, I guess. Um, but, yeah, Mar- Marcus is going to be right there. He's Mr. Consistent. Um, you know, did did he have the best car out there at St. Pete when he won? No, but he stayed clean. Everybody wrecked in front of him, and, and he was there to pounce on Pato Award when he made a mistake to get the first win of the season. So, um, you know, we talk about Ken Marcus contend for a championship. He obviously led the standings last summer after the Indianapolis 500 and double points, um, but wound up finishing fifth in the championship. Can he stay that consistent? He's got the consistency. He's already got a win on the season. I think we're going to be talking about Marcus Harrison a lot this year. I enjoy Marcus Harrison. I like him a lot. Well, uh, in a little time, we don't have time to go through all the drivers, but if you was to put your DraftKings $5 bet on uh, a driver tomorrow, who would it be? Yeah, you know, Alex Pelot has just been a guy that I think has been right there knocking on the door, um, you know, it really wasn't in his best mental space with everything that's going on with the contract and going to Aaron McLaren or go or staying at Ganassi. He obviously won the last race of the year last year to kind of clear all that air. I think he's going to be around tomorrow. I think he's the guy to watch out for tomorrow. I think Marcus Erickson will be there. Colton Hurdle will be right there as well. And uh, if the Penske boys can get this qualifying situation down, look out for Joseph Newgarden as well. But I'll go Alex Pelot for a winner. Well, one thing that we do know is we are getting closer to the Indianapolis 500 each day. It's a little bit closer in the field for the 107th running for the Indianapolis 500 is set. Uh, so uh, I was reviewing an article from on Racer Magazine. They confirmed that the NTT Indy uh, Car Series uh, uh, engine manufacturers. So basically we know who's going to be, of course, we don't know the qualification orders and stuff, but what do you think about the field as as we know who's going to be uh, competing? Obviously, the the usual suspects and, and and so forth. But the field for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 is set. Yeah, I broke this news last week on Twitter that we'll have a 34th entry. It was confirmed by R.C. Enerson, the driver, yesterday um, that there will be a 34th entry. Um, it's it's going to be tough. Him and Catherine Leg are probably going to be the two cars that are a little bit off speed to make that 33rd position. The entry list should come out early this week. You've got a test on Thursday and Friday out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway next week uh, on the Oval. So that kind of we'll, we'll get a good grip of what the cars are going to look like, what what the speeds are going to look like, and and who's going to be in contention. So yep, just a few weeks away from May, and um, it was cool to break that story. Got to go. Last week to the Indy NXT or the Indy Next Test, which is formerly Indy Lights, um, was talking to Bill Abel of Abel Motorsports. He confirmed to me, yeah, we're going to run RC Anderson in the Chevy powered car. We're, we'll announce it here soon. So I uh, got to go with that, which is cool. And uh, we'll see if they can put that thing in the show. It'll be a good story if they do. Yeah, it'll be a great story. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and, and BurnoutSports.com joins us. We appreciate you, sir. 
Uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces? Yeah, we'll have you covered all weekend on Burnout's Twitter because my personal Twitter account is still a hack taken away from me. I'm still on, I guess. And, um, no, it'll be all good. If you haven't downloaded the Fans Place app, check it out. We've got an IndyCar contest tomorrow. You can win a throwback Rick Mears T-shirt from our friends at the shop in Broderpool. Love it. Uh, looking forward to gaining some momentum as we continue uh, to, to march forward towards May. Absolutely, sir. We have yourself a good weekend, and stay safe, sir. All right. Take care. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. Uh, Coming to us to talk some IndyCar down in Southern Cali, going back to Cali. I should have, I should have loaded that, but I didn't. Uh, so, uh, Puddle Award, the fastest there. We're getting closer, closer to the Indianapolis 500. Right around the bend here, Steve Wilson of SpeedwayDigest.com, uh, editor in chief and our official NASCAR contributor. We're going to break down the paperclip this weekend. Well, Martinsville. We'll see what happens right here on the Balance Radio Network. Oh, 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 oh. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. 
I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lekwa pike, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. ago 
give or take a few years. And now I think they're made in somewhere like Michigan or Wisconsin or something like yeah. that. But um, yeah, yeah uh, initially, initially, yeah, they were based out of here and they built the clocks right here in Martinsville, Virginia. But um, yeah, uh, forgive me. I don't know where they moved to, but I think it's somewhere up there in the Midwest, somewhere like Michigan or Wisconsin. Okay. Well, one good thing, one trophy that everybody that goes to Martinsville can partake in is the bag of hot dogs. So, hey, Martinsville's also known for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've already started in on that. I, I had a, I had a few yesterday, uh, and I'm sure I'll have a few more today and tomorrow. <laughs> well, there you go, man. I, Martinsville, I have to admit, is on my bucket list to get to, and maybe I can get there soon. Uh, and I'd love to do that, and I'd love to hang out with you there at the track. And I, myself, would love to have a Martinsville hot dog. Well, let's talk about the, the truck race last night. Corey Hine prevailed in the Martinsville Speedway a late Friday night. As you mentioned, late last night, I didn't stay up to watch it, I have to admit. Uh, but he did get his first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series victory of the season after uh, pressing through rain and dry conditions, two red flag periods uh, for weather uh, and, and multiple uh, charges were highly motivated uh, by Kyle Busch. Uh, so uh, do we like Kyle Busch back in the truck races? Do we, do we like do we like that? Uh, it's nostalgic <laughs> look at Kyle Busch winning every single truck race that they ever get into just about. <laughs> Yeah, you you know how it is. Every time the truck Kyle comes back to the truck series race and you know wins, everybody questions the fact that you know he's back down there racing with those guys that you know trying to you know make their name in the sport. But you know he he's limited to the number that he can do, and he picks a couple of races now a year, and he goes out there and uh, well, you know uh, he he came up short last night, so I think everybody should be pretty happy in the fact that. You know, one of his old drivers, Corey Heim, uh, you know, will uh, it won the race for for uh, Tricon uh, Garage last night, and um, you know, held off Kyle Busch that year, and he had a couple different um, charges up against trying to get to him, but the caution sequences and some of the red flags just didn't prevail in his way last night. Well, as we mentioned, Corey Heim uh, gets his first uh, win at Truck Series of the of the win in his Toyota. Uh, Kyle Busch in the Chevrolet, Zane Pitt in the Ford, and Ty Majeski in the Ford, and Tanner Gray uh, in the Toyota as well. That's your top five in the truck series. Uh, so what's what's the, the weather looking like today in Martinsville? Obviously, we've got a race tonight to run with the Xfinity race, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Martinsville, the track, the history of the track, and what all that's about. But what's the weather uh, looking like today for Martinsville? Well, so far right now, we've got uh, the sun is out for now. Uh, it looks like that we may be clear for the rest of the day. However, rain is potentially going to move in tomorrow right around the same time that the that the Cup Series race is supposed to kick off around 3 o'clock. But never know. Hopefully, it will hold itself off, and we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. Well, you know, the the um, Xfinity uh, races were, were – they didn't race last week. They were They were off last week. Uh, but uh, uh, great truck race and, and, and great uh, race out there at Bristol in the dirt. Always love watching that that happen. But before that, Chandler Smith uh, dueled his way in, the, in his first victory at Richmond. So let's get a recap of Richmond and, and the momentum that that's uh, bringing us into Martinsville this weekend. 
yeah, Chandler Smith, you know, working over for different guys this year at College Race, and he's uh, able to take that thing to victory lane in Richmond. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I thought going back to Richmond a little bit, um, you know, uh, I know we always talk about Richmond and some things have to change there, but, um, it, you know, I think the Xfinity race was, uh, you know, kind of one of those uh, uh, lackluster races that we've seen kind of in the past couple of years but you know the the sunday race uh the, the cup race was a little bit different it seemed like um changing the packages out there going to a smaller blade on the back as well as changing a couple of different things on the short track package out there I actually got those guys moving around the racetrack a little bit more than we normally would see out there um in the cup race and you know that that was good to see that was uh you know i was happy to see that you know, some of the changes in NASCAR started to implement on that side of the Cup Series, at least, uh, is giving drivers uh, abilities to start working some different lanes. And we saw some guys out there work really, really high out there, including um, we saw Tyler Reddick, we saw um, Chase Briscoe, we saw other drivers that went way, way up there by the wall. And, you know, in the last couple of years, we've really only seen drivers do that when they get out of shape and they're about to hit the wall but not those guys they they were able to take it way up about a lane and a half or about a lane off the wall and go out there and hang on to it and um you know go and race real high so it seemed like the 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 racing crews were moving up close to the wall there were multiple lanes and and some of the like i said some of the changes that they had implemented i think we talked about it um, you know, with the with the again with the two inch blade that they put on the back to reduce the downforce onto it, some of the 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 um, baffle plates underneath um, were changed out, and, and this was all in a in a, in a way to promote um, exactly what we saw out of drivers like Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe going out there and racing much higher and you know able to maintain position out there and actually improve their position by going way up there while everybody else was driving was working the bottom so. Uh, I was happy to see that in the Cup Series race that we started to see some multiple birds starting to come into that track, and it uh, sounds like we might be on the way to uh, getting even better racing out there if they continue to implement some, some additional changes, hopefully in the future, that will continue to promote that enrichment. Here Steve Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com. He's calling us from Martinsville, Virginia, where the uh, NASCAR action is happening. One of the one of the funnest, if that's a word I can use, uh, funnest tracks to watch because there's always a lot of drama on the field, and I'm sure that'll happen sometime in the 400 laps, 210.4 uh, miles. Of course, the stages are at 80 laps, 180 and 400, and the biggest news uh, of the day uh, is. Uh, well, uh, Chase Elliott, he returns to Zane Smith, is piloting the number 51. We'll get into those storylines in just a moment. But Martinsville's known uh, for the drama, and uh, we are going to see some drama. So it's fun to watch it when anybody hurts. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the, at the same time, uh, drivers can get very, very aggressive in that short little track that they call the paperclip. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's really just nowhere to go at a place like Martinsville, and we typically see uh, the leaders already starting to lap the field within 12 to 15 or so laps. So, you know, you, you've got to move people out of the way, and especially if you're the leader and you got somebody right on you, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're moving people out of the way or they have to get out of the way for you, whichever happens. 
And and you're right. It, you know, you, we start seeing tempers flare, and we've seen that in the future countless, countless times out here. You know, fights happen, people pay back. I mean, we, even last night, I think we saw with uh, Carson Hosebar where he was uh, I, I, I still I, – I'm not sure whether they're – you know, because I didn't get a good enough replay on it, but, I mean, he ran – he ran another driver all the way down the track and then hooked him out there. Um, to, and then they, you know, they they parked him for two laps out there last night because of this. So you know, we we see drama pick up. We see people move people out of the way, and then we see things like that. I mean, it's you know, it's an aggressive racetrack for being so small. But the only really way to get people out of the way is sometimes you just have to use that chrome horn and move them out of the way. And you know, that's that's when we start seeing the tempers flare and. You know, uh, you know, the post-race activities on pit road uh, uh, typically happen. Sometimes you wonder, and you know, you watch some of these reality shows, and you're like, hey, that's, that's got to be Hollywood. That's got to be for the camera. You wonder if these teams, and I, I'm not saying this is really what happens, but in, in the back of your mind, you think, now, okay, team, we're going to Martinsville. Let's camera, camera it up. Let's get something going. Let's let's get uh, a fight going or something. You know, let's let's start something, because it's Martinsville. We've got to do it. You think those conversations actually happen? I don't know if they particularly happen. I, I mean, I think it's just a lot of natural the way that it happens out here. Um, you know, again, you know, you got drivers out there that, you know, they, they again, you know, with with lapping that starts in twelve to fifteen laps or so, it, it it really it really starts aggravating drivers. You know, especially at the back of the field that are running poorly to begin with or already having a struggling day, whatever the case may be, because they're already tied up in a, on an accident or, you know, whatever happened throughout there. And then, you know, somebody comes up there and runs you out of the way and just to get past you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think some of this just, you know, a lot of this just happens naturally out there just because of, you know, the high intensity that, you know, is, is Martinsville as far as that is concerned. Well, let's uh, spend a little, little bit of time talking about, uh, uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott uh, comes back to the racetrack, the 2020 uh, Cup Series champion. He'll pilot his Hendrix Motorsports Chevrolet for the first time since scoring a runner-up finish at the Auto Club uh, Speedway in February. Of course, we know how Elliott missed six weeks due to a, a leg injury that he suffered on, on a snowboarding accident. And, of course, Josh Berry stepped in and, and filled in. And, and, of course, Jordan Taylor uh, as well in his absence uh, I think Martinsville is a, is a fitting return for the 27-year-old who has scored the uh, top five, ten finishes in the last six races at the paperclip, if you will, including a win in 2020. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a, a conversation to be had here uh, that he could win uh, tomorrow's race. Let's let's have that conversation. Is there a path for Chase Elliott to uh, win uh, in uh, Martinsville tomorrow? I mean, I think there's the potential for, but but talking with him earlier this week, I mean, he he noted the fact that you know even though that his doctors felt good about him coming back this week, um, he also realized about the fact of the heavy braking and things like that that occur at a place like Martinsville. So you know he's going to have to be mindful of that too. Um, yeah, you know he he does have some leg repairs that have been done with the surgery on there is you know with um you know some plates and stuff that have been inserted into his leg. Um, I mean and I know that's a you know that's a that that could be a struggle you know at places like this where you are using both both legs and 
you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, he he notices this and he he realizes this and he uh, worked on the simulator earlier on this week to kind of get a feel for how it will be to be back in this car and talked with everybody and then took some extra time on the simulator just to kind of get reacclimated to it, but also to kind of feel himself out to make sure he felt like he could also get back in the car. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's always a conversation that Chase Elliott is going to run good here, that he's going to have a potential that he can uh, win out here like he did two years ago. But, you know, I think, uh, again, he'll, uh, you know, it, this is this is a long, long race. So, I mean, you know, you have a lot of laps that you have to put underneath you in this race, and then that will uh, – determine, you know, how well he does at the end of the day, how well his leg feels at the end of the day. And then, uh, you know, it, I'm sure everybody will be will be elated if he does make it back to victory lane in his return to here. And, you know, he also has to, he also has to be mindful in the fact, too, of, because, you know, he's coming into a place like Martinsville, which is like full contact. I mean, this is, this is full contact auto racing here. Um, you know, and then he has to go to a place like uh, Talladega, which has the potential to be, you know, uh, you know, get caught up in a massive accident out there, a multi-car incident at at very high rates of speed. So, you know, he's got he's got two high intensity races that he's really returning to. So, you know, he has to be mindful in the fact of, you know, you know, whatever he does this week is going to have repercussions next week when it goes into Talladega, and then he has to be mindful of the fact of you know, trying to stay out of somebody else's because you don't want to re-injure that leg and then, you know, feel like that you're going to have to sit out for, for a considerable amount of time too. So, you know, I'm sure all these things have been taken into consideration. He's talked with his doctors and teams and NASCAR and everybody feels like he's ready to go. So we'll uh, see how he does at the end of the race tomorrow and some of his comments, if he, regardless of whether he wins or not, we will be all be waiting to hear what his comments are uh, after getting out of the car. Oh, absolutely. It's a story to follow, that's for sure. So uh, we, there's probably a path of conversation that we can, we can have, but for time's sakes, we won't. But there is a path for him to get to the playoffs in spite of everything that's happened. Is that correct? Yes, NASCAR has already approved a waiver for him. And since they've done away with the top 30 rule in, in, in the series, he just needs to win a race and uh, – get himself locked in so he uh yes there is a path for him to get there it won't be based on points it'll have to be based on wins at this point let's uh take a look at some of the drivers who we historically look at in races like martinville and how they're doing let's start with kyle larson again kyle larson has just come out again and just one week after another he's just proven that he is a championship caliber uh driver and certainly martinville is his style uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he, he's used to running on these really tight, uh, short tracks like this and in his sprint cars and some of the other series that he goes and runs in. Uh, yeah, he's he's got the potential this week to, to go out there and continue that momentum that he's had over the last few weeks in the series and, you know, go out there and be uh, contending for, for not only uh, additional wins, but also for the fact that he's, um, you know, uh, you know, just just looking to get a Martinsville clock, another Martinsville clock out there. Well, you know, another Virginia boy native there, Denny Hamlin in the number twelve. Uh, certainly, he he's he's a title contender, uh, and it does well there at Martinsville. And 
he's he's absolutely lights out there from time to time in in Martinsville. Uh, Denny Hamlin at Martinsville, what are your thoughts? You know, um, Hamlin Hamlin has come. You know, he he kind of came from 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 this area, well, really in the, in the Chesapeake area out of Richmond. But you know, he he always tells a story about how you know many years ago he came out here and he said that he's going to go out here and he's not only going to uh, be a Cup Series driver, but he's going to win. I mean, he's won five times out here in the past. So I mean, he, he, you know, he he's a driver. Twenty, I think about twenty, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, or something like that is the last time that he's won. But I mean, he always shows incredible strength out here at a track like this. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> my, my fault. <laughs> I'm losing my I'm losing my brain. Uh, so William Byron, I've really enjoyed watching him over the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's, it's certainly he he he's fair to say has had one of the more interesting seasons of any driver. Clearly passed, clearly a title contender, and I think he'll do well in Martinsville this weekend. William Byron, what are your thoughts? Well, um, yeah, I mean, Byron, Byron, Byron comes into this race where, where he's the he's winner from last year. So, I mean, and he's so far, again, he continues to be the only driver that right now that we have uh, in, in the series right now that that has won multiple races. I mean, he's he's done so in the West Coast Swing out there uh, at, at Las Vegas and Phoenix. And I mean, he he you know had it had it not been for the fact that um, uh, Hendrick Motorsports um, or sorry that some of the other drivers uh, out there like uh, um, Alex Bowman that got those hundred points back, um, I think he would be the leader at this point. That we would be really talking about him going into this race and um, just being the champ. I mean, he's already a championship contender this year as it is, and he's just kind of tacking on more points. But, I mean, he, I know he's trying to continue out to go out there and get more wins and stack those wins up. Let's talk about a fan favorite. Everybody likes to talk about Joey Logano in Martinsville. He's been a winner. He's been a loser. He's been part of the drama. What are your thoughts about Joey Logano at Martinsville this weekend? <laughs> yeah, Joey Logano has been up and down, uh, you know, when it comes to this racetrack. Uh, we've seen him and, uh, you know, going back a couple of years ago, him and Matt Kenseth go at this thing and, uh, you know, all the way yeah. ends up you know, with Kenseth, you know, Kenseth being suspended in all of this. But, you know, uh, he, he he's only won this race. I mean, he's only won this race uh, one time um, back in 2018. So, I mean, he's got a. You know he's got a long way to go. Uh, you know out there. You know it's a rough. It, it's a rough, like we talked about. This is a roll contact sport out here, and uh, for him, um, you know he's him and uh, that team will have to kind of gather it up and see what they can do. Well, it's been a topsy curvy kind of year for Alex Bowman. Bowman points wise, he's been racing incredibly well. Uh, you know, and he kind of had a rough result at Bristol in his recent 2021 Martinsville uh, winner. Uh, he very well could be a breakthrough for a win number one of the 2023 season. Alex Bowman at Martinsville gets to win. Yeah, you know, Alex Bowman has always been a guy that, you know, we, we kind of see as an up and down and kind of, you know, has his troubles throughout the year. He's he's kind of like a Ryan Blaney in a lot of ways. Like, he can go out there and he can break through, through these wins, but then it feels like, you know, he has long stretches of those just bad luck or, or just, you know, unable to, to get himself in position out there. Um, you know, Alex is, uh, uh, he's one out here in Martinsville too. So, 
I mean, I wouldn't say count him out. And Hendrick is always, no matter what team in Hendrick it is, they're always very strong when it comes out here, going going all the way back many years ago. Jeff Gordon, everybody that's come through Hendrick Motorsports in that stable, um, Dale Jr., et cetera, they've all you know been a powerhouse when it comes to this racetrack. So uh, I, I don't think really you can count any of them out. But, you know, again, it just comes down to, you know, Alex Bowman. And, and, you know, where he's at, is he on one of these long stretches of just, like, really bad luck, or is he, you know, uh, you know, uh, running a high at that moment? So, yeah, I know for him, he's uh, he's uh, he's trying to get himself into the playoffs like everybody else is, and we'll see how that all shakes out later on tomorrow afternoon. Well, Kevin Harvick's on his uh, retirement lap, as you will. Each race is his last race at that particular track, in theory. Uh, Kevin Harvick at, at Martinsville got a rich history there. Certainly been around for a long time, knows his track very, very well, knows how to win at Martinsville. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, um, you know, I it, we we talk about it, we talk about him a lot, you know, this year. You know, this is going to be his final year, as you've already noticed, noted. But I mean, it's been over a decade since he's even won out there at, at um, Martinsville Speedway. So, um, you know, he he's struggled out here, and you know, it's been a long time since he's gone to Victory Lane. So, um. I, I know everybody would like to be him be the perennial favorite every weekend, week in and week out, uh, as we continue to get closer to the playoffs. But um, I don't know if uh, Martinsville is going to be uh, the place he, he picks up that win and locks himself into the playoffs later this year. Well, we're going to talk about Christopher Bell. I mean, Christopher Bell has been one of the most exciting drivers to watch this season. He's done everything, been there, done that. Uh, and uh, he's the returning champion of the Martinsville race from last year. You can't rule out Christopher Bell at all for any race this year. <laughs> and from what I'm seeing so far, anyway, go ahead. I mean, he's our final driver that we got time for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he just won last week in Bristol. I mean, he put on a heck of a show last week, and we, oh, we yeah, kind of yeah. saw what, you know, we saw what Christopher Bell is the driver he is when he gets into those dirt races, and he kind of put it all on the line. But, you know, him and my – him and – I was going to name another driver. Sorry, him and Kyle Larson. You know, these are two drivers that these these tracks are right in their wheelhouse. Real tight, kind of core, close quarter uh, driving. Uh, you know, out there. So you know, yeah. I mean, give, give it a give it to him to potentially go out there and uh, pick that win up. Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest, uh, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Who's your five-dollar uh, DraftKings pick for uh, today and tomorrow? Um, today I'm going with uh, Justin Allgaier, and tomorrow I have William Byer. Okay, we are going to we got you down, and we'll, we'll get it all up on on social media. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Thanks, man. Well, you have a great race weekend out there at Martinsville. Don't eat too many hot dogs. I'll try not to. Thanks, man. All right. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, breaking down what's going on in Martinsville right around the corner, though. We're jumping into some NFL draft with Ed, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. Right around the corner on the other side, right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my god, it talks! Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Don't know much about 
a logical thing of thinking there? Well, I don't think he'll be there at 10. I mean, sure, the Eagles would love to take uh, Will Anderson, you know. Uh, they took two kids from Bama, Alabama two years ago, Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson in the first and second round, and those those two guys have been terrific for them. So, yeah, they would love to take a, an Alabama edge rusher. i just not sure he's going to be there. Um, you know, it depends, I guess. I, I still think even if four quarterbacks are taken with the first nine picks in the draft, which has never happened before, but it could very well happen this year, and I think it will. But even if four quarterbacks go, I just think that unless the Eagles really want Will Anderson, they're going to have to find a way to trade up to get him. And, you know, I'm not sure they would give up both their first-round picks to do that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, to me, he's probably the best defensive player in this draft. Well, we'll see. We'll see. also see what happens with the, with the Colts. Um, we're going to get to them yeah. here in just a second. But, you know, we're going to start kind of our – we'll go with the way that we know it now. Uh, Carolina Panthers uh, pay, uh, from the Bears picked up the, the, first, uh, the first pick. And so <laughs> for the first pick in the 2023 draft, the Carolina Panthers go with Bryce Young. The rumor has it that Houston is most interested in Bryce Young. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Right now, as we know it, uh, uh, just about an hour or so ago, this is where it stood. Uh, um, Carolina Panthers, we think, I think, agree, disagree, Bryce Young from Alabama goes number one overall to the Panthers. Yeah, you know, it, it could be C.J. Stroud also. I mean, those are the two top guys. It's just it's funny that NFL drafts always have quarterbacks, you know, one and two. You know, we've seen them go one, two. We saw it, and the Eagles took Carson Wentz, two, and the uh, the Rams took Jared Goff, one, back in 2016. You know, we've seen this throughout. You know, even Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf back in the day, right? So, uh, oh, yeah. See. I th- I, yeah, I mean, I think they're both good, but. You know, typically both guys don't end up working out, right? I mean, we saw Jameis Winston go first and Marcus Mariota go second, you know, back in 2015, I think it was. So, you know, it it always doesn't work out that way. But, sure, these two guys look like bona fide guys to be first picks overall. I just don't know who it's going to be. So, yeah, sure, I'll I'll go. I'll agree with you. I'll I'll say Bryce Young at this point. Yeah, let's go with him to to the Panthers. Yeah. Uh, are you headed out to Kansas City in a couple of weeks? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, uh, I do everything here in Philadelphia for the drafts. It's, uh, gotcha. it's just easier gotcha. that way. Yeah, I totally understand. Well, that leaves Houston uh, at the number at the number two pick. And with the number two overall pick going to the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. Now, there's been a lot of dialogue, Ed, that Houston could trade out of this pick or, or take a non-quarterback if Bryce Young is unavailable. You know, I think a lot of people like Davis Mills coming out of Stanford, and C.J. Stroud obviously represents an upgrade. But for our purposes of this show, uh, the Houston Texans in round one of, of the pick two get C.J. Stroud uh, from Ohio State. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been hearing stuff that, uh, D'Amico Ryans, their new coach there, really likes Will Anderson uh, as a defensive player. And D'Amico Ryans was a defensive player. And, 
you know, they have other holes to fill. I'm not sure how high they are on Davis Mills as their quarterback. So, yeah, that makes sense, C.J. Stroud. But, you know, I, I'm i not sure this draft is going to go the way a lot of people seem to think. You know, when you look at these mock drafts, that's kind of what they have. But, yeah, I'll throw a curveball here and say they go with uh, the guy we just talked about from Alabama, Will Anderson, at number two. Okay. Well, that gets, brings us to the Arizona Cardinals. And they've got the pick three uh, and the overall pick. And the the number three uh, pick in round one uh, to uh, the Arizona Cardinals, we're going to go with Will Anderson, Jr. And so there was a a trade package offer that could prove to be too tantalizing for Arizona to stick and make the pick. However, Jonathan Gannon comes from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia environment. Uh, that he had a, a wealth of front-line defenders. So the beginning of the foundation with Will Anderson at Arizona makes sense, and it's also very intriguing. So the uh, Arizona Cardinals in the number three pick, they uh, have – I'm sorry, Will Anderson, Jr. from Alabama. Mama. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they have so many needs. I mean, what a mess Arizona is. You know, DeAndre Hopkins wants to be traded. Their safety boot of Baker came out last night and said he wants to be traded. Kyler Murray's probably going to miss at least a month of the season at quarterback. Um, you know, <clears throat> they've just got so many holes. So, yeah, I think a trade back kind of makes sense. And, you know, if we're going without trades, I mean, they probably wouldn't take a quarterback here. Um, I would probably think they would go with a defensive lineman. You know, J.J. Watt, another part of the mess in Arizona, he retired. So they need a pass rusher. So, I would probably go with a Texas Tech kid, Tyree Wilson here, uh, for the for the Cardinals if they stay in that in that third spot. <clears throat> well, now comes the time. I, I promise you, this will be the last time I use this chime. <laughs> Much to talk about here in the number four pick. Obviously, me putting on my homework cap here with the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, lots I've been talking about here in local radio um, about not getting a quarterback, about uh, uh, Lamar Charles uh, from Baltimore coming. That's not going to happen. Let's squash that right now. One of the big concerns is that they are not going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I'm draft a quarterback. I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory. I've been back and forth. Uh, on, on who I think, and I know that our good friend Adam Jividen is going to blow a gasket when this happens, but right now, the way, th- the way things are, are, are playing out, uh, leave it to Indianapolis to, to piss away a draft pick in the first round, especially when we need a quarterback in the first round. They haven't installed a lot of confidence with me, but I'm going to say that they get their heads screwed on. Let's go with somebody conservative that, that we can work around. We've got some of the top linemen in the country uh, let's go with the quarterback. Let's let's pick up a quarterback that we desperately need and some other defensive positions that we desperately need later on in the draft. So with the with the fourth pick overall in round one of the of the uh, NFL draft, the Indianapolis Colts draft Will Levis from Kentucky. Now that's a very conservative pick for you there, and it's going to make. Probably 50% of the fan base mad and 50% of the fan base, maybe 30% of the fan base, like, well, at least they got us a quarterback, let's, let's go to work. And, and there's going to be others who say, hey, that's a good solid ticket. You know, our good friend Adam Jibbett, and he's going to blow a gasket. I could hear it from here all the way to his house. 
uh, when that happens, the microphone is going to uh, burn up just as soon as his picture uh, comes up on the on the screen. But it is, you know, it, 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 I think we've liked him for a while. Indianapolis, uh, you know, likes the idea. We would think they would like the idea of selecting a rookie quarterback that maybe we could develop as a franchise quarterback, but there's no guarantee. I mean, how many duds have turned into studs? How many studs have turned into duds? We can always refer to Tom Brady as, as the use case there. So it, just because they look great, good on draft day doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to uh, translate to a great quarterback. But I like Will Levis. Yes, he has his faults. He's not a Peyton Manning, guys. Peyton Manning's not coming back to the Colts. He's not an Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is clearly not coming back to the Colts. He is a fresh quarterback. He is not a recycled water bottle, as I've said many times. So Will Levis is the pick for the Colts. But, again, the Colts will never cease to amaze you on drafting. So don't take that to concrete gold, but it's who I I feel is the most logical choice. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, well, in in my mock, uh, my first three guys that I took, Still leave C.J. Stroud available, and I think you know if he's there, then I think that would be the Colts' pick. Um, but we'll see if, if he is. I mean, Will Levis is a—he's kind of a strange guy, isn't he? All this stuff that's come out—he's a bodybuilder. You know, you don't see yeah. too many quarterbacks that are bodybuilders. He, he, he eats bananas, uh, you know. Well, he's, uh, he's a smaller rotten bananas smaller. with the peel still on. I mean. Oh, I didn't hear that. I've heard of, I've yeah, there's there's something out there. Him eating a a, a black banana, you know, a, a overripe banana with the skin still on it. I mean, very very strange guy. But uh, you know, there's no questioning his talent. Um, you know, he can fire the ball. He's got a really strong arm. You know, he's had a pension for throwing a lot of interceptions. That's a concern. Um, but I, I think the Colts need to take a quarterback here, really. I mean, are you going to go with Gardner oh, yeah, Minshew? Yeah, Gardner Minshew, is a, he's a nice quarterback, but he's not going to take it to the next level. I know he has familiarity yeah. with Shane Steichen in Philadelphia last year, uh, last two years, really, but uh, he's a good bridge guy. You know, you want to bring in a guy that there's no pressure for him to come in and start right out of the gate. I mean, that's kind of what you want. You want to develop a guy and – at some point, maybe during the season, he, he gets his chance. Um, so I think you got to go quarterback. And, you know, whether it's Anthony Richardson or uh, C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, I mean, you got to go. you gotta, you got to take the plunge, man. you got to take a quarterback and develop him. And that's what Steichen is known for. So, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Well, exactly. The logic is there. I mean, it certainly makes logical sense. But, but – Again, with Chris Ballard at the helm, he's not installed a lot. I liked him a lot, but he just seemed to have just went off into outer space somehow. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we get more, more frustrated as, as fans. But I'm with you. Let's, you know, but, but, you know, you mentioned him kind of being an obduct. He's a smaller quarterback. You know, he's only 229 pounds. He's 6'4". He's a smaller quarterback. So why wouldn't he body build? I mean, <laughs> so does he get body slammed, maybe? I don't know. I, 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 well, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we'll see what we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously uh, the Colts uh, had the potential to move up, but they, they didn't. Lamar Jackson's not coming to the Colts. Let me repeat that so everybody's very clear on this, because local media talking heads have not quite got it yet. I, I take that back. On Friday, they started to begin to see the light that Lamar Jackson is not coming to the Indianapolis Colts. I've said that all along. It was just a bunch of noise. 
so let's just stop talking about Lamar Jackson, all right? He's not even leaving Baltimore. I can almost 100% guarantee you that. But what do I know? What do I know? I'm just talking to myself. But uh, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about uh, the uh, – I promised you no more time. So <laughs> in round one, pick five, the Seattle Seahawks that they got from the Denver Broncos. Uh, they are going to go with Anthony Richardson, a quarterback from Florida. And this is a guy that other people have looked at uh, for Indianapolis. I certainly don't think he'd be a good fit here. The Seahawks have options. Uh, but Anthony Richards is a young, talented prospect who can learn behind Geno Smith in, in year two. And the plan allows them to marry the prospect in, in the future. I, I think Anthony Richardson is the uh, heir apparent out there in, uh, in Seattle. Uh, what are your thoughts about him? out of Florida. Yeah, uh, sure. They could go that direction. I mean, Geno Smith, was was he a flash in the pan last year? I mean, his whole career he did nothing, and then he burst onto the scene last year and has a Pro Bowl season. So, uh, you know, I guess it depends how much you love Geno Smith uh, and believe in him if you're going to take a quarterback. And, yeah, I guess the quarterback could make sense. I, You know, I, I suspect they're probably going to take a defensive tackle. I think Jalen Carter, if, if they're happy with the background checks that mm-hmm. I'm sure they're exhausting on on the Georgia D, D tackle, I think Jalen Carter would probably be the pick here if I'm if I'm the Seahawks. So I'll go Jalen Carter. Hey, you know what? And that's not a bad pick at all. I had a down more, one more round to go in, uh, with the, the the Lions uh, in the pick six there. So he's certainly in, in the mix as well. Let's talk a little bit about Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. A lot of people think he's going to land with, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders in the seventh, uh, pick in the first round. Uh, certainly Christian Gonzalez has a, the athletic frame and profile of the top prospect. Las Vegas has a bigger need at offensive line, but Gonzalez is a, is a better value than the options available at those spots. What do you think about Christian Gonzalez to the Raiders? Yeah, you know, uh, the Lions, they could use a quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff, uh, I think he's got another year or two on his deal. Uh, but they're in a win-now mode, the Lions. They, you know, they've done some things these past two years that they believe they can certainly, with, if Aaron Rodgers isn't in that division anymore, and it looks like he won't be, I mean, they, they could, you know, they could win that division. It's, uh, you know, it's not far-fetched. And maybe make a little run in the playoffs. They were hot at the end of last year. Uh, but so they won't go quarterback. I don't think not now um, because they want to win now. And I think they traded away Jeffrey Akuda, their third overall pick from 2020, which is a little surprising to me. Um, but uh, yeah, he was a cornerback and they probably could use a cornerback to take his place. And whoever the best of that, that threesome is that that's considered the best three Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon of Illinois and, Joey Porter out of Penn State. But, yeah, I'll go Christian Gonzalez. I'll agree with you here. They take a corner, and it's probably going to be one of those three guys. So I'll go Gonzalez. We want to give you a little time. We want to give you a little time, too. So we're going to leapfrog over a few picks, but we do want to give you a little time for your homework card because um, you do a very good job with the Philadelphia Eagles. We want to give you some time with that. So we'll skip to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles without the chimes. You got a trade from uh, New, New Orleans to the number 10 pick. We talked about some options earlier. But let's talk about Nolan Smith. Uh, Eagles historically invest in their offensive and defensive line, and depth allows them to important in free agency. As we've said many times, the Eagles play chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Is this another good chess move for the Eagles 
does don't Nolan Smith from Georgia make sense for them? Or who are your thoughts? You're the one that uh, is uh, knows the Eagles inside and out. And uh, who, who, what's your thoughts on the ten pick at all? Uh, yeah, you're right. They um, they definitely value the offensive and defensive lines. And, you know, I think at some point they're going to address the offensive line because they lost, you know, a starter, Isaac Ciamalo at right guard. They lost, you know, their top reserve at guard and tackle. Andre Dillard went to Tennessee uh, as a free agent. Uh, so, you know, your depth is a bit of an issue and you got to look at the right guard spot. But I think you can find somebody a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I'm hearing that they like this uh, this, this kid from Northwestern uh Aditami Wa Adibare, something like that. Are you yeah, familiar with this guy? Yeah, that guy. Uh, I, I'm hearing that Howie Roseman just loves this guy. Um, I, I think it's probably a little too high at 10 to take him. Um, in an ideal world, I think the Eagles would like to trade back. I mean, I'm not sure how many top, you know, how many grades, how many how many players have these top 15 grades on them. I mean, this draft could hit the second round by the 15th pick of the draft or the 12th pick. Like, I'm not really so – I'm not in love with this draft class. I'm not sure a lot of people are. Um, so how many top 15 pick grades, how many players have that type of uh, a grade on them? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you, you may only have 12 to 15 players that you consider first-round talent. Um, so maybe the Eagles ideally would like to trade back, uh, you know, depending how many players they have these first-round grades on. Um, if they don't, I would probably say they'll go with an edge rusher um, because they're light there as well. I mean, they have Josh Sweat, uh, career-high 11 sacks last year. They have Son Reddick at 19 and a half sacks when you factor in the three postseason games. And then you have Brandon Graham, who's 35 years old. He's a, more of a role player now, 20 snaps, 25 snaps a game. And then you have Derek Barnett, who missed all of last year. Uh, with an ACL injury, uh, and who knows how he'll be. He, you know, he, he hasn't performed well since his rookie year when he was a first-round pick in 2017 for the Eagles. But uh, you're thin there, is my point. So I, I think they probably go with a with an edge rusher here and, and address the offensive line a little bit later. Uh, so I'll go. I'll go with Mullen Smith. I like him. He's a little undersized, but he reminds people of Hassan Reddick. Reddick signed for another two seasons. He's had double-digit sacks the last three years. Reddick. I mean, he's just—he's an undersized guy, but he's got a great first step. Uh, relentless pursuit of the quarterback, and I think if you're Nolan Smith, you could learn from Hassan Reddick for a year, and then maybe two years, get ready to ignite and possibly start you know, hitting a double-digit sack. So I, I'll go with Nolan Smith. The Eagles love these Georgia players. All of a sudden, like I mentioned, they, they went with two Alabama kids two years ago coming out in the national championship game. Last year, they took two Georgia players coming off of a national championship year in Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean. Uh, and this year, I can see them going back to Georgia again and taking Nolan Smith here and uh, letting him learn from Hassan Reddick using him as a situational pass rusher. I'm not sure how good he is against the run at this point. He's a little light, but you can teach him how to, you know, play the run. Um, but get him in your system. Let him develop. Uh, Howie Roseman, their GM, always tries to draft players not for the, you know, for the for the moment, not to play right away. I mean, if you get anything out of him, great. But he always looks two and three years down the road. And to me, Nolan Smith is that kind of player where you're projecting him 
to be a double-digit sack guy in year two, a better run stopper in year two, uh, while trying to get what you can out of him in year one. Uh, you know, maybe play him 25 to 30 snaps in a rotation, uh, get his feet wet, uh, and then get ready to have him take off in year two and year three. So I'll, I'll go with Nolan Smith, the Georgia pass rusher here. So I always got to make the Indiana connection, of course. Uh, Cam Jones, linebacker from Indiana. A lot of people say the Eagles will pick them up and pick 250. <laughs> 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 Woo! What do you thought? Who's this now? A kid from Indiana? Yeah, Cam Jones. I mean, the Eagles Jones try, try lots of things to find a linebacker to play next to Kobe Dean, right? Cam Jones is a, a late officer Brown who's, who's, who's very physical, and it'll, it'll make his, him a very intriguing piece. Okay, well, hey, I'll, let's do it, I just, man. Let's I just follow the up. evidence. For the... <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw Sign that. me up. I, they do need linebackers. <laughs> I, had to, I had to throw that out there. Okay, uh, we got to hop to our NBA playoffs. But you guys, the Sixers, host the Nets, round one of the playoffs. What say you on that? And we're going to have our good friend Adam on here in the next segment, and you'll probably be able to hear his head explode all the way in Philadelphia if you listen carefully. Well, I mean, listen, the, the only danger in this series is the Sixers looking ahead to the Celtics in round two, uh, which should be a, you know, a terrific series if it gets there, you know, if these teams get there. Uh, but the Sixers should handle business against the Brooklyn Mets here. Let's face it. Uh, you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, these playoff games are never easy. But Joel Embiid, to me, is playing at an even higher level this year than what we've seen him play in the past when he was an MVP candidate. He should win the MVP award. Not that that matters as much as, you know, trying to get to the NBA Finals. Um, but, yeah, I think the, Eagles, or the Sixers will get past the, the Nets and uh, get ready for the Celtics. We'll see what happens. You know, you know we, we got to take a break and get on to the NBA talk. But joining us for the NBA talk today is Adam Jividen, a good friend, Adam. You know him. We all know him. Adam, you missed the quasi-mock draft. We didn't really call it a mock draft, but we went through some picks. I landed on the Colts. I just wanted to hear your head explode. We're going to get Levis as the quarterback here in Indianapolis in, in the number four pick. We're, no, go ahead and explode. No, no you are. I mean, that's what's going to happen because Chris Ballard is a Like, I mean, I just – You didn't give, I said you didn't give me the response I was expecting. You're like, okay, you got it. You're right. Yeah, I just – I, ahead, I have – at this point, if you're a Colts fan, I don't understand how you can have any faith that, that Chris Ballard knows how to remotely build a functional team. <laughs> and, and, and I said – We did say that. Is there, a better, is there a better option available than Levis right now? No, because the Colts – uh, quarterback situation is, is garbage, which is why, what should Ballard have done? He should have taken the swing to move up to one. Now, I think what's going to – and if you're not going to, then just take the best player available because the quarterback options next year, there's, there will be better – there will be more options available than this year's draft class. This year's draft class from a quarterback perspective is C.J. Stroud and then a bunch of question marks because Bryce Young is tiny – Will Levis doesn't know how to read a defense better than a seven-year-old playing Madden, and Anthony Richardson is going to be out of the league in five years because he's probably, or he's going to be playing tight end. That's it. That's the quarterback class. All right, we got we got to we got to roll to a break. Uh, uh, Ed, real quickly, did you want to pile on about anything? Or are you good? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love Adam's breakdowns. He always has a unique way of looking at things. And uh, oh yeah. <laughs> 
you know, we should break this down and see if it happens because uh, I'm kind of with – I'm not sure how good these quarterbacks are, uh, but we're going to find out, and there could be four of them taken in the first nine picks, which has never happened in an NFL draft before. Um, well, you, well so, you, nailed yeah. it. You, nailed it at, you nailed it at the beginning of the segment. Let's just get it over with. Let's stop talking about it. Let's just get it yeah. over with, right? Yeah, Ed right. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com, joining us, helping us break down this year's NFL draft. Uh, and certainly helping us with the homework cards as well. Ed, where can people find your work and masterpieces? Yeah, find me on Twitter, at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E. I post everything there, or SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Uh, either way, you can find me. If you got a backslash, you can find you, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, you have, you have yourself a, a safe weekend, and we're going to get to the bottom of this, I promise, sometime soon. All right, great. Thanks, Thanks Tom. See you. All right. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, joins us, and we're going to be coming right back with our NFL talk. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. If you want to jump in, the NBA talk, 917-889-8516. Never get lonely. I got these goals to keep me company. I took the rear view off of this so forward, so I only see in front of me. Now the past is out of sight and out of mind. Swore I changed, now I'm back chasing these white lines. I'm just a long head. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. No, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Massa Le Croix Piquet. 
which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Breaking down IndyCar as they're rolling to Cali, Southern California, Long Beach. Auto Award has the fastest on the track. Certainly Pinsy as struggling there, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, tomorrow, also, uh, Steve Wilson of SpeedwayDigest.com and our official NASCAR contributor joins us. And we broke down what's happening now at the paperclip in a wet Martinsville, Southern Martinsville, where they get a grandfather clock. Pretty cool, actually. Uh, the Xfinity race rolls off tonight at 730 of course, we got tomorrow. we got the cup races. We'll see what happens. And then Ed Kratz joined us to, uh, to kind of do a little quasi-mock draft of the NFL coming up in just two weeks in Kansas City, Missouri. And so that should be a fun time out there. And so we'll break that down. We broke down where we thought the Eagles might land at the, at the number 10 spot, which they traded back with the, with the uh, uh, Broncos, I believe. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Saints. And, of course, we talked about our Indianapolis Colts uh, uh, possibly landing with the number four pick because, as our next guest, so eloquently put it, Chris Ballard is a moron. Uh, <laughs> Adam Jimmedan, Super Browns fan, Buckeyes Guardian Super fan, Cavaliers Super fan, fit our official Swiss Army Knight. Well, because you know he helps us out. We're all sports up segments, so we're going to talk a little. NBA postseason today, which gets underway today, actually, at 1 o'clock. Adam, how are you, sir? Do you have any uh, final thoughts on the NFL draft? What about the Browns? We didn't talk about the Browns this segment. What are your thoughts about uh, the Browns and in, in, in their draft? Uh, I mean, we don't really super need to talk about the Browns. We don't have a first or second round pick. Um, we don't have a first round okay. pick from the Deshaun Watson trade. We don't have a second round pick from the Elijah Moore trade. But you know what? I am okay not having a second round pick or a first round pick because this draft as a whole is awful. Um, the media the media hasn't really talked about it. My two cents on this draft is this is last year they said this is the worst draft we've maybe ever had, one of the worst drafts in the history of the league, and this draft is worse. There is only one position group that as a unit is stronger, uh, maybe two position groups that are stronger as a unit than last year's draft, which was thought to be really, really bad. But that one position group is quarterback. All four of these quarterbacks are at least even with Kenny Pickett um, or potentially better. Do I think Pickett, do I think very highly of Kenny Pickett who was drafted in the first round by the Steelers? No. Uh, Do I think CJ Stroud will be better than Kenny Pickett? Yes. Do I think Bryce Young will be better than Kenny Pickett? Yes. (laughs) And worse, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are probably a wash. 
So, but across the board, this draft class is worse than last year's draft class. And I mean, for the Browns, I mean, obviously, I'd rather have a franchise quarterback than a mid-level first rounder in a crap draft. And would I rather have Elijah Moore than the the volume of just kind of terrible receivers after you get past Jackson Smith and Jigba, who should go in the, at worst probably the top 12 to 14? Uh, yeah, he's the only one with a first round grade. Jordan Addison has has no movement to his game. He's not fast or quick. Quentin Johnson is somewhat fast, and he's big, but he has hands like, I don't know, freaking, he's freaking Edward Scissorhands out there. He can't catch a ball unless he's <laughs> wide open. Uh, and, and beyond that, the kid from uh, Boutte from LSU is terrible. Uh, JSN is the only receiver worth taking with a first or even early second-round pick. So if the Browns did a pick swap of a second for a third and we picked up Elijah Moore, that's a huge win because everybody forgets Elijah Moore was drafted at the top of the second round in what is one of the best receiver classes in a long time. That was the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson draft class. So I'll take Elijah Moore personally over a second round pick. So if you look at it and go, all right, so for the Browns picks, we got Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore. I will take that all day long. Sounds good. We're going to be talking some NBA playoffs today, and uh, the, the 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 mayhem starts today. The fight for a championship starts today. Pick your cliche here. We've got some games to go through, uh, game one. Uh, so we were just uh, basically talking about the uh, Nets and the 76ers. So let's go ahead and pick up our conversations there. Uh, Nets and the 76ers. I like the 76ers. Um, by the way, we're going to uh, create a little um, – do you want? Do you want to do it like this? Do we do we do each game individually or each bracket? Individually? No, we don't have time. We, uh, We're just ripping through the series. Yeah. No, I, I, I know I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about for the day. I'm just talking about for betting wise. Do we want to just do like the whole series? But we'll, we'll talk about that offline. All right, yeah, go ahead. we'll just do the whole series. Um, Sixers are going to okay. kill him. I know Ed said he thinks it's going to be a tough series. I don't know what he's smoking. Uh, the Nets suck since they traded um, Durant and Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving is the worst winning good player I've ever seen. He's a talented player, but Kyrie Irving doesn't, I mean, couldn't win a game if his life depended on it away from LeBron James. So uh, the Nets, as he said, Joel Embiid should be MVP. Um, Nets will win maybe one game. I, I kind of think they will win one game just because the Sixers maybe like fall asleep at the wheel or something like in a fourth quarter and let one slip at the end. I've got Philadelphia in five. Milwaukee and Miami, obviously, this is the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks. If you want to get to the championship in the East, you've got to go through Milwaukee, and this is no different. Miami Heat's not that good, haven't been that good for a long time. Nothing to get excited about Miami to to me. Uh, for me, uh, they got the former IU player there. I guess that's, there's that. Uh, but uh, and, and, uh, I was just talking about him yesterday, too. The IU guy who plays for Miami, he was a stud here when he was here. I uh, it'll come to me. Uh, but uh, the Bucks and Miami uh, started off in, in game one. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, Bucks have the best record in the league. Giannis Antetokounmpo is still Giannis. Um, and Chris Middleton is back. I, I don't tend to think that this series is, a, is tough for them. I think, again, similar to Philadelphia, I think Milwaukee will lose one. Uh, Miami, Jimmy Butler can take his game to another level in the playoffs. He always does. 
And I, but I think it, it does, it's not going to matter from a series perspective. I've got uh, Milwaukee in five. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Boston and Atlanta. Atlanta, not that good, but they are sneaky good. They can win a couple games, but I think Boston handles this relatively well. And I think we're both in agreement that they'll meet up with Philadelphia in round two. Ab- absolutely. Boston, Boston, in my opinion, is the most well-rounded team in the East. Um, they are my prohibitive favorite to go to the finals. But honestly, we'll talk about this throughout the playoffs because this won't be the last conversation. Realistically, mm. I don't know that the Cavs could, could get there. I just think they're too young. They're probably a year away. But I do think any one of the top three seeds has an easy, legitimate case to make the finals, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. We still got one game to talk about in the East, and we're going to go back to that. We're going to circle back to that. We're going to leap uh, frog over into uh, the Western Conference. The Denver Nuggets, very good, very solid. Minnesota, though, is a team that can sneak up on you and win if you fall asleep on them. And Denver Nuggets, I mean, they, they uh, have proven themselves worthy of a number one seed. I, I don't think that they'll they'll not, not get out of the first round, uh, but you just got to look out for the Minnesota Timberwolves because they are sneaky good. They they are the thing about the Timberwolves is like they're one of those teams that the sum of their parts is, you know the hope is that the sum of the whole is better than the sum of their parts. But the Timberwolves are the opposite. The sum of their parts is somehow worse together. And not that Chris Quinn hasn't done a good job. I think the roster construction by itself has been flawed since day one. I don't know what they were thinking when they gave up a treasure trove for Rudy Gobert, who was. Between the two players in Utah, he's not the one you want to overpay for. Um, but uh, I just I, – I'm not I, – Rudy Gobert, you can't play him in the fourth quarter because he can't make free throws. He, he can't move. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is playing lights out. Um, and, and then you have Anthony Edwards, who still all season is struggling to figure out his fit offensively. Um, in the game against the Lakers, when they had the Lakers on the ropes, Basically, the whole game, Anthony Edwards is incredibly tentative. He was just taking long, awful three-pointers, um, and the Lakers used bad possessions to get back into that game. When Carl Anthony Towns was absolutely magnificent that whole game. So I, I do look at this and go, okay, I, I can't picture a scenario where Denver loses. Jokic is too good. They're just too deep. Um, as you're, as you, we will talk about again later. I still don't think Denver goes to the finals. I think they maybe make it to the Western Conference finals. I just Denver reminds me too much of some of those teams that we had here here in Indiana um, with Paul mm-hmm. George and Roy Hibbert or some of those early Atlanta teams when LeBron was in Cleveland his first go-round where they were deep. And then in the playoffs when rosters tighten up, depth doesn't matter as much. It more matters about your high-end talent. And while Jokic is very, very good, I just don't think Denver has as much high-end talent as some of the other teams. I do think they win this first-round matchup, though. No, I totally agree. And I'm going to say in a minute the team who I think uh, pushes them out. But, you know, I heard an interesting stat this week. Uh, this is the first time, maybe ever, but certainly in many, many years, that all the Texas teams are out and all the California teams are in. And very interesting stat uh, for out there in the West. Now, L.A. Clippers and the, and the Phoenix Sun, they start to take down. This is where things get interesting because I honestly believe that there are number four, number five seeds, so they, it's pretty much chalk. 
but I do believe the Clippers move on past Phoenix in round one. Uh, no. Um, okay. Phoenix, Phoenix isn't as good as they were last year, but the Clippers, I, I just don't see it. Phoenix has got too many scorers, which, which that's what matters in the playoffs. They've got too many guys that can just go get buckets, i.e. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and that will be too much for the Clippers. Um, I just I, – I look at the Clippers and I'm like, all right, they're okay, but I just – they're not – they're just not as strong top to bottom. Um, and Phoenix is, is a rough, rough place to play. So I, I think Phoenix – uh, wins the series. I have Phoenix in six, um, but I think all of the games will be a dogfight. I just don't know that the Clippers have enough that when in the fourth quarter you need a bucket, that they have enough dudes to go get it. Kawhi Leonard hasn't been that guy for a long time. And unless he has one of those turn-back-the-clock playoff series, which he could, I just don't see it. So here's, the, here's another interesting matchup. Uh, Golden State has kind of struggled this year. They're in the playoffs. They are there. And so they're great. we have to talk about them being there. But you got to look at Sacramento Kings being a very good, very strong team. Steph Curry isn't quite on his game. Something's amiss there with Golden State. And I think because of that, they're strong enough uh, to, to beat Golden State. Golden State for the first time in, in how long do we remember? That's why you can't roll them out. But Golden State – May fall out in the first round. Sacramento moves on. This is a – to me, this is a coin flip, and here's why. Sacramento has been awful for a long time, and they have had a awesome, awesome season. But there's something to knowing what it means to win in the playoffs that matters in the playoffs. And I don't know that Sacramento can – I want to say I don't know that Sacramento has that. They don't have that, like definitively. Is Sacramento – has Sacramento been a better team all season? Yes. And it, let's just say it's fourth quarter, game seven, games on the line. Who's going to get the stops and the buckets to win the series? The Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry is still arguably the best shooter that's ever lived. Um, and I'm putting him above Larry Bird, which is – I know in Indiana is considered, you know, heresy. But Steph is ridiculous. <laughs> He's still Steph. Draymond, Draymond Green has been playing defensive player of the year levels all season. Um, and I think, I think Golden State has enough to get it done. Um, well, let's talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's no, no, that's, that's, that was it. That was it. Well, here we go. You know, you say it looks like the Memphis Grizzlies is the toughest team in the West. You think they are. And they are. But, there again, as much as – I know you have a history with LeBron James, uh, and, and I get that. Now, if Wait, he would just stay out of the political – I'm not against him. I'm not a hater. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I thought you said I'm, I'm say, against LeBron. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I said you have a – I know you have a history as, of being a LeBron James fan. And I think anybody is a LeBron James fan when you look at one of the greatest of the game. My, my concerns with him is more off-the-court stuff than on-the-court stuff, but that's neither here nor there. You look at Memphis Grizzlies, and you say, now this is a team that could beat Le- LeBron James and the Lakers. And then you look back and you say, but wait, LeBron James. Is there a way that for the first time ever 
we won't say ever, but LeBron James is experiencing what it means to lose in the first round or lose at all, period, for the most part. But LeBron James comes to the play in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. He is the GOAT. He is the one of the greatest players of all time. That's proven. Does Memphis Grizzlies have what it takes to beat the Lakers and LeBron James in round one? I think so. I think so. I think that's going to be a huge upset that, that we see happen. So this is what's tough. LeBron and the Lakers, after the 2-10 and ten start to the season, have had the second-best record in the NBA. Okay? And that's in the middle of, in the middle of the season, a complete roster makeover. Is John Morant an absolute stud? Yes. He's a trash human being, but he's an absolute stud on the basketball court. Jaron Jackson, <laughs> Jaron Jackson is, um, at worst, one of the three best defensive players in the league. The three best defensive players in the league this year, and it's not even close, are Draymond Green, and this is in no order. Draymond Green, Jaron Jackson, and Evan Mobley. Like, if you look at their, defen- their de- defensive statistics, it's, it's mind-bogglingly efficient. Um, Desmond Bain, phenomenal shooter. Um, they have Dylan Brooks, who is a biggest punk in the entire NBA, and uh, he hit Donovan Mitchell in the nuts, and I wish that we would have had, like, one of, like, our old-school bruisers, like when Kendrick Perkins played with LeBron, uh-huh. and he just, like, picked up a dude and, like, body slammed him. I was like, I wish we had that guy still. We don't have that guy yeah. still, but it was it was not good. But Memphis, they think they're the class of the West. It's going to lose them this series. They are the most arrogant team that's never accomplished anything I've ever seen. When John Morant's saying he's not even worried about anybody in the West, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to the finals. Like, dude, you haven't even been to the Western Conference Finals yet. What are you talking about? Are they? So you think you think Lakers? You think Lakers? I I think the Lakers win this series. I think Memphis is going to come out hot as a pistol in Game One, and then and Uh then the Lakers are going to figure out LeBron and Anthony Davis are still LeBron James and Anthony freaking Davis. Their first Dallas Hall of Fame. That's what I was saying. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. I, think, I think Memphis is going to wake up and go, oh, crap, this is a lot harder than we thought it was. I think the Lakers win. Yeah. I think the Lakers win in six. But I think the Lakers win because Memphis, again, they don't know what it means to win in playoff basketball yet. And LeBron James, I mean, we're not going to get into the LeBron Jordan discussion because it's, we don't have enough time. <laughs> But LeBron is, at worst, the second-best player of all time, and I think that's fair to say. No disagreement. No disagreement. Well, we say the best for last, your Cleveland Cavaliers against the New York Knicks. Man, this uh, brings back memories of the Pacers and the Knicks in the playoffs. This is going to be a great game. I'm curious to see how this is. I'm dangerously uh, close to saying that New York will win this series, but I know who I'm talking to. So tell me why the Cleveland Cavaliers moves on to round two. This is a tough series for the Cavs. For a few different reasons. One, New York has played us really tough all season. New York actually won the regular season series. Some of that was kind of the result of scheduling or, like, injuries when they happen. Um, 
because the first time we played New York, we were on the second, like the third game of the three games in four nights. And we were on the last game, and everybody was just like gassed. And then we beat the stuffing out of them um, the second uh, – sorry, we won the first game, lost the second game, lost the third game, but that was at the end of the season after we had already essentially clinched the four spot, and we didn't need it. And our guys basically were like, whatever. <laughs> they were kind of going through emotions a little bit there, like right at the end of the season, because they didn't need the game. And New York desperately needed to win to hold on to that five spot. Julius Randle is supposed to come back from, a, from an ankle injury tonight. Um, here's the deciding factor for the Cavs. One, Jared Allen is healthy. Two, Evan Mobley is healthy. Three, Darius Garland is a great point guard. And four, Donovan Mitchell is Donovan freaking Mitchell, and he shows up in the playoffs. I think the Cavs win in six in what will be an incredibly fun series to watch. Um, I'm I totally agree super excited for it. I will actually be in Ireland for game two because I have to go there this week for work. So the game yeah. will happen at night, and I will have to wake up at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning to watch it from the night before. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think – I personally think the Cavs are, have just too much front-line power um, for the Knicks to overcome, but I think it's going to be an awesome series. I think the series to watch, if you're saying, hey, Adam, I haven't watched the regular season – at all, what series should I watch? Cavs-Knicks is the only one in the East you really need to pay attention to. Lakers-Memphis is going to be really, really good. Um, that Golden State uh, series against Sacramento is going to be really, really good. If you want to see what's another young up-and-coming team, watch the Kings. They came out of nowhere and not only made the playoffs, are the third seed um, in the West. So... I, there are some really, really entertaining series, but if you're if you're a casual basketball fan, those are your three that I would roll with. Um, if you wanted to watch a fourth one, uh, you could watch Denver just to see how they stack up with some of those other teams, and then you could, I mean, Phoenix and, and the LA Clippers are are gonna are are, are gonna do that too. Uh, it's gonna be a it should be a really really exciting first round. This has been an awesome uh, NBA season. We're seeing so many small market teams really focus on roster construction and build great teams, not just build around, you know, trying to get that superstar super team. Um, so, I, you know, if, if you haven't tuned into the NBA, NBA this, this season, tune in now. It's, it's really – it's been an awesome, awesome season, and I'm super excited – We've got Cavaliers playoff basketball tonight at 6. Um, so, you know, hang tight. If you're a Pacers fan, guys, Pacers will be there soon. Hopefully, you know, we can get some lottery luck. And I'm saying this is like I love the Cavs, but I also grew up a massive Pacers fan. I had a Reggie Miller jersey. I had a Jermaine O'Neal jersey. Pacers fans, we will get there. Uh, just give this team some time and, and just enjoy the playoffs. Just enjoy good basketball. That's all i got to say. All right, Adam, Jimmy, and we got a call today. Wrap it up and put a bowl on it. We appreciate your time, your energy, and uh, we hopefully will be talking with you more during the, the playoffs season uh, as, as, as schedules permit. And I always send work to people to find your work in masterpieces, but we know we know where you're at. We know you're out there. In we did, and Tom, you <laughs> forgot to text me on Sunday. 
You're right. You're right. I did. And you know what? Melissa reminded me on Sunday, and I still forgot. So, hey, you here's your reminder. So, get, get, so get us up an have, article. I will have time in Belfast, like in the evening. If you can Great. shoot me a text, I'll do a write-up for for this weekend because I don't know that I'll be able to be on the show next week because I'll just be physically recovering from major jet lag. Yeah. Totally understand, my friend. All right. We'll talk with you soon. You have yourself a good, safe weekend and, and safe travels to you, sir. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you guys. All right. You're fine. Adam Jividan, Brown fan, Buckeye fan, Guardian Super fan. Uh, it's just our, our official Swiss Army knife. And then Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, NSI.com, uh, joined us as as well. And uh, uh, Steve Wilson, had a brain part there for a second. Steve Wilson of uh, SpeedwayDigest.com, official NASCAR contributor, joined us and break down what's going on in Martinsville. Going to be a lot of action in Martinsville. Never disappointing as well. And, of course, Tony Donahue of the Tony T Podcast jumped on and joined us to talk uh, some IndyCar in Long Beach, going back to Cali. My name is Sean Marcus, El Presidente. Make sure you're following us on the Twitter world, at T-Balance, on Facebook, search the balance. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Thank <laughs> you.